0: Alright, and because three is a crowd, I am here today, once again, as always, in the bunker, protecting ourselves from the monsoon that's happening outside. <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> uh we are here today. Kelly, how, how's it going?
1: My mic stand is wet. How are you?
0: Yeah, your mic stands wet, the booklet's wet, everything's, everything's wet. wet. I mean, my pants are completely soaked. What are we doing here? I don't, know. I don't really understand. We are here today to talk about Bob Dylan. This yeah. is a Bob Dylan podcast. We pick a song every week, we listen to it, we let it sink in, we place it on a table, we look at it, we look at it, we look at it, and then we talk about it. <laughs> That's what we're doing.
1: <laughs> Is this uh, like a Lazy Susan situation? Is that oh, where we keep yeah. looking at it?
0: Oh, are we not allowed in? to both look at it at the same time? Ooh, It's sort of just slowly. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for pretty much my entire life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the magic constant of a 4x4 normal magic square. And today, we are talking What's noon magic Sunday square off of 1983's Infidels. <sighs> yeah, the magic constant of a 4x4 normal magic square.
1: What's a magic square? What? How could you even call it a normal magic square? Doesn't it being a magic square automatically disqualify it from being a normal square? <laughs> I'm very confused. Yeah, it's amazing. I guess there's a standard for magic squares wherein there's a normal magic square, and this number is somehow. Oh,
0: what's like the super magic square? What, you what do you have know. to do to be uh, abnormal? The abnormal magic square.
1: We're stepping into a world that we're not prepared to deal with. Well, my shoes that come from Singapore my flesh
0: that's from time. All right, Kelly. So we spent the week listening to a song called "Union Sundown" off of 1983's *Infidels*. Like I said, how how was your week with this song?
1: This song's kind of silly. I didn't listen to it very much. I probably listened to it like three or four times, which is on the lower side because it's long. And it's not very good. What he's saying is fine. I agree with what he's saying. It was like it's a, it's part of an 80s movie that I've never seen, but I can clearly picture the montage, either the opening credits or some point in the movie wherein there's someone getting in a pickup truck, and this is playing behind it. For sure. For sure that's happening. Bow, bow, yep. bow, oh, yeah. Bow, oh, yeah. Bow, bow, Again, I've never seen this movie, but I know it exists and that song is playing. You know,
0: it's weird. It's I feel the same way. It, I think people are being... Maybe this is just us and maybe it's cuz we're we skew a little bit younger than like probably mainstream like talking about the songs and stuff but I have seen this described too many times it's like a rollicking and like g- a good time sort of riff and stuff I don't hear double bass and like fucking growling screams like I don't I don't understand what the threshold mm-hmm. for describing this as rollicking is this to me is like rockism this is run of the mill yes. just rock classic rock Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. For yeah, it sure. doesn't really – nothing about it stands out to me. Uh, the riff is fun. Like, it's fine. It gets it gets stuck in your head. The
1: guitar is fine. Like, that, there's something actually wrong with that. No, there's not. And it does – like, that guitar line conjures images for me of, like, cowboy boots and hardwood floors. And that's, that's fine, but the rest of the that's song doesn't work with you. it. Yeah. yeah. They can have your 80s
0: montage where, in my head, they're, like, getting picked up in a pickup truck in, like, Philadelphia, but you're seeing it. Right.
1: No, no, that's what I am thinking because of the song and its totality. Yeah. But just the guitar line is a a Western, like, it's going to be a different song, and that's fine.
0: That's fair. So we have delved a little bit into Bob Dylan in – Uh, post Bob Dylan where he will go in and, and overdub his vocals this is certainly one of them the alternate takes out there in the world I think you can find one of them on YouTube is basically him humming the words it's as if last week when he said he forgot his notebook Bob forgot his notebook or better yet he just didn't know what he was going to be singing so they were playing he was humming It had a chorus. Yeah, it did. Jesus Christ. Sure as fuck did. Let's at least acknowledge it has a chorus. (laughs) Um, But this song, uh, just to give it a little bit of context, um, this is like any song in the 1980s. It's it's maddeningly hard to date. Uh, The demos came from 1983, uh, from like the early 1983, but we don't quite know where they were recorded. Uh, He recorded it on April 27th um, for the first time. The one that we got to hear was on May 2nd. He recorded this at Power Station Studios in New York City. Uh, guess what song Union Sundown replaced on Infidels? Oh, Blind Willie McTell? No kidding. This song replaced Blind Willie McTell oh, on the official uh, Infidels. And that's the problem.
1: So you're like, okay, so this Bob Dylan, this guy. Bob Dylan. Is really prolific. And he has a, like a propensity to cut a bunch of tracks and yeah. then pick and choose which one to go on an album. Well, it just seems to be a theme.
0: It is a theme. It, it, but it, it, going in and cutting something, going in and cutting a song and playing it straight through, and then discarding it is one thing. But his problem in the 80s is that he has cut great songs, put them aside for overdubbing all this stuff. He, he really believes that technology can bring him out of something, hmm. that he can use this technology to make him a better artist. When really sitting down with his guitar, playing Blind Willie McTell, that is all you ever needed. And he comes around in the 90s and, and the, in the 2000s. He's successful now because he records live. That's how his records are made. Yeah. We know his great records because he sat in a room and played them. You know, so we were always gonna be talking about it. It's kind of interesting because he's
1: made he, he makes so many songs. So many. And then chooses poorly
0: so often. And this is probably the most classic chosen poorly for an album entire album kind of thing, yeah. He'll ever do, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's like still talked about and still famous. He played this song thirty times from nineteen eighty six uh, to nineteen ninety two. So he has not touched it since then. So before we get into like the lyrics and everything like that, I want to remind everybody out there that it's still Woody Guthrie Month. We listened to some Woody songs about unions. I mean, this song is called Union Sundown. I think when I listened to it the first time, I just thought uh, United States, you know, essentially the sundown on our union. Gotcha. And I never really thought about, well, you can take it as like a labor union. union. So let's actually talk about globalization a little bit, which the song is obviously – Talking about
1: so, what is globalization? Right in in a nutshell, it's just the idea of people throughout the world being able to share things. Um, it started kind of after World War II, when it, the because the cheaper travel gets, the cheaper it is to ship things across the the world, uh, the the more quickly things get moved. So, like a T-shirt today made that you can buy in America will have cotton that's actually sourced from America, but not so much anymore because we don't do that as much. We used yeah. to give subsidies for cotton, but I think we stopped doing that. But so you could have cotton that was grown in America, shipped to India uh, or Vietnam or somewhere where labor is cheaper, so to actually turn that cotton into a fabric, sent back here to be screen printed and then sold at a retail location. Um, and that's that's a really shorthand example of what globalization is. It's just trying to extract the cheapest way to get every part of. An end product into the hands of a consumer who would want it, right. um, but even me saying it that way, framing it that way, is, is kind of negative. And there are certainly negative aspects of globalization, but in its in its essence, it's the idea of sharing cultural, social, and, and resources be- between countries, between groups of people. And that's not inherently bad. The, the reason yeah. it gets, and uh, Bob Dylan actually puts yeah. it uh, <laughs> really succinctly, and it's greed, greed out in the way. Yeah. Um, as soon as as soon as we had agriculture, as soon as we had a surplus as human beings, like the species we are, and we had things to give to other people, there, there's been trade, yeah. and that's the heart of globalization. Um, the problem lies where people are trying to squeeze every penny out of it, corporations specifically, where we're... Taking it, it's not even just taking jobs, because that is a, is a problem in America. But we don't we also don't want it. We also don't want factories all over the countryside. Can you imagine if we had that? We already have so much pollution as it is here. So these factory jobs that yeah, it sucks that we don't have those jobs anymore. But we're farming them out to other countries, China specifically, obviously mm-hmm. Malaysia, Vietnam, India, because the labor is cheaper. Right. And that creates obvious problems because we're paying them next to nothing. But then the good side of that is that they're I still making more yeah. than they normally would have. So a global economy isn't necessarily bad. It's like, it's it's such a heavy loaded thing.
0: It, there's not an easy answer to it. You know, and this isn't the first time Bob Dylan in particular has talked about this. I mean, there's a song off of uh, his album, Times The Hour Are Changing, called North Country Blues, um, where he says pretty much all of this he's talking about. Uh, there's actually a quote. Let me just quote Bob Dylan. So this is Bob Dylan in 1983. He says, quote, there's a big push to make a big global country one big country where you can get all materials from one place and assemble them someplace else and sell them in another place 90% of the iron for the Second World War came out of those Minnesota mines up from where I'm from yet eventually they said listen this is costing too much money to get this out we must be able to get it from someplace else then the shaft was seen shut and my work was cut and the fire in the air it felt frozen Tell a man come to speak, and he said in one week, that number 11 was closing. We still use coal, we still use iron, we still use all those things, but then we don't want to use them in America, but of course the corporations are still going to use them elsewhere.
1: I think the iPhone is the perfect example it's, it of really is. the best and the worst of globalization. So... Yes, people are in factories where they're making way less money than we do. They're like not able to support their families, and and like it, it's it's a bad situation overall. We have children working on things, right? However, the economist Jeffrey Sachs, yeah, right, he said that mobile phones are the single most transformative transformative technology in the developing world because people in incredibly rural places throughout the globe can have a cell phone and be automatically connected to the rest of the world, and that means. A farmer literally in the middle of nowhere, in Africa, can sell goods online like they can. And they managed to skip a step. We went to uh, underground and above ground telephone lines uh, and data lines. And that's the, the world we're living right now. They skip that step. They went straight to mobile phones because it's cheaper and faster to put up a cell tower yeah. than it is to run lines all over the place. Right. So, like, that is the net good and net bad of globalization in kind of a nutshell, is that mobile phones are doing great things for people in rural areas that would otherwise not be able to be connected, not be able to sell their goods, not be able to be part of the global economy. But also, the people assembling these cell phones, are they better or worse for it? The UN in 1990 w- had set out a goal to get rid of extreme poverty, or the, the goal was to lessen it by 50%. At that time, in extreme poverty, by the way, is considered people that are without running water, basic human necessities, mm-hmm. shelter, clothing. Um, and they consider anyone that lives less, that has less money than $1.25 a day. That's the extreme poverty yeah. line. At that time, in 1990, uh, there was almost 2 billion people living at that line. Uh, and then to 2014, I think, there was 836 million people fewer. So they didn't quite make the fifty percent mark, no, but, but it got pretty close, and so it's like
0: is globalization there's also more people though too, even in those thirty
1: years yeah that's so. true so but it's tough it's tough, so it's like yes, these people are are, are being extorted in a way, but they're also like China's the best example China has had the the biggest economic boom mm-hmm. in the last twenty years than they have in their like yeah four hundred five hundred years
0: well it's it's an unprecedented boom it's something that. Could only happen kind of in what you're describing, which is that you kind of skip the steps. So that's the biggest. That's ne- negative. The net negative of globalization <laughs> is
1: seven billion people can't live the way Americans do. No, and they cannot because we will.
0: And Americans shouldn't live as Americans do. That's also we shouldn't. Very important.
1: That's so, absolutely attitude. true. It's, Climate change is a real thing, and we can't all live like this. So that is the negative. because of it's cold outside.
0: No. <laughs> it was raining. Yeah, and yesterday was sunny. I mean, I guess that is change. Oh, my God, it's real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can swim any day in November. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, what's the thing that's going to sort of stem me that tide? I think that it comes from people consuming less. I think consuming smarter. But I think it also comes from something like the unions. It comes yeah. from people collectively coming together to stand up for something that is right. It's inherently right. We we become so complacent and we say that another world is not possible and that we can't do something and that we can't have something like unions. It was a dirty word then for sure. I mean, and it's a fucking dirty word now. You certainly can't uh, have that. Not that there's really, I don't think, the massive amount of industry to to sort of spurn it. So we, we did actually talk about some Woody Guthrie songs about you know, unions, but, like, something like the Ludlow Massacre that we listen to. It's actually been described uh, by Thomas Andrews as the deadliest strike in the history of the United States. Um, up Between 69 and 199 people died Jeez. in general over the course of the whole thing and a lot of kids. I mean, in this case, I mean, Woody sings about it, but, yeah, they basically came in in the night and— burn down everything. So
1: and then, the situation was there were miners, right? They were miners. And and they went on strike. They said, We're not going to work anymore. So the mm-hmm. company that owned the mine
0: and the police force in the, in the state area. government, uh-huh. the decided Colorado to National Guard,
1: take their revenge as such and start mowing people down. Mm-hmm. You're not going to work. You're not going to. Fine. We'll kick you out of your houses. That's not good enough. We'll start killing you. Yep.
0: That's absolutely Oof. A long history of American labor and world labor is working for these rights we take them for granted today. absolutely we absolutely think it. these people died for us to eventually get concessions from capitalists to say oh we'll only work you for eight hours a day
1: yeah these union songs made me so mad like there's so much fight yeah and we just let it slip away i mean buddy guthrie's talking about the 1930s and they like i mean even before that right and they right. had the power to organize seemingly stronger than we do now and we have Anybody in the world we can talk to at our fingertips right now.
0: But I think that's that that though is the diversionary tactic. Because of that, I think it's made something like unionizing a lot harder because you are you have every point of view out there in the entire world. At this point, these companies are so enormous that one one branch going on strike, there's no way for that branch It'll to connect to the other, else, to go to yeah. the next, to go to the next, and to grab scabs. It's like, all right, cool, let's just fire up this plan over here that hasn't been up. In a while, we'll just hire these people and let them fucking. We'll fire them, and because it's a right to work state, we'll fire you without cause, and it doesn't matter. Unions, we don't care about unions, and that's that's the that's the American stance. The world stance is roughly the same way. I mean, a lot of countries don't even have a, a history of they don't have. There is no labor unions because there's no labor parties. There's no labor movements. With nothing, those are the countries that are being exploited, and then you have something like Europe where the labor tradition existed. Now we're talking about the end of those movements. The end of those movements really came in the 1980s. It came right when Bob Dylan was singing about it with, you know, the the Margaret Thatchers and the um, Ronald Reagans of the world, you know, gutting public services while spending out of their minds on defense and raising the, the national debt, you know, from, what was it, $788 uh, billion coming in and he left – with $2.1 trillion, you know, after being – and that that is really the problem with America is this psychosis that we all go through where we just pretend that things are a different way than they are. That's why
1: I don't understand how did this happen because the people that Woody Guthrie is singing about are the same people that are fucking living in Louisiana right now that are voting against their best interests. And I don't understand what happened. How do we go from there's one more union person in the graveyard. We'll be a thousand more behind them. Like mm-hmm. – How do we go from that? Those same people are the same people that are fucking voting against their interests and I don't understand what happened. What happened? Because they got it then. They got it. You were unioned for a reason. It's because you wanted a better life.
0: Now, boys, you've come to the hardest time. The boss will try to bust your picket line. He'll call out the police, the National Guard. They'll tell you it's a crime to have a union card. They'll raid your meeting. They'll hit you on the head. They'll call every one of you. Our damn red, unpatriotic, Japanese spies, sabotaging national defense. But out at Ford, here's what they found. And out at Vulti, here's what they found. And out at Alice Chalmers, here's what they found. And down at Bethlehem, here's what they found. That if you don't let red-baiting break you up, and if you don't let stool pigeons break you up, and if you don't let vigilantes break you up, and if you don't let race hatred break you up, you'll win. What I mean, take it easy, but take it. We have no social safety nets. We have no unions. Everyone is living precariously, unless you're super rich. But we just pretend like it's cool that's the beauty of America. And this song, I guess in a way, is it, it tries to be serious. It tries to be serious. So I want to quote um, a book uh, called Bob Dylan and Philosophy, which we've quoted here before. Um, talking about this song in particular, I want to quote it. He says, uh, quote, while while Dylan pens a few songs expressing extreme skepticism of political progress, his work continues to call for justice. Union Sundown has a clear postmodern features as it expresses skepticism over the viability of a workers' movement that has become a, quote, big business. But it also cries foul about unregulated capitalism, which is, quote, above the law and the, and the exploitation of third-world labor. So at the end of it all, it's still there are people out there still working for something. So,
1: uh, Worried Man Blues? He's talking to Alan Lomax, I'm assuming, in the intro of this song, the cut that we had on one of our playlists. I think so. And Alan Lomax is asking him, what do you think about the blues? Yeah. He says, well, Alan... The blues is being lonesome, lonesome about all kind of things, lonesome for a job, some spending money, drinking whiskey for a good time. Pretty gals, wine, women and song down and out, disgusted, busted, can't be trusted. Blues is awful popular in jails. (laughs) And I like for some reason that just I don't know. I don't know if it's because of him talking or whatever, but all of the songs we listen to about Woody Guthrie just made me so mad that we're not still fired up like that. And it's cool that Bob Dylan was in it, like, for a second. Even in the 80s, like, we're post-60s yeah. Bob Dylan, post he Got?" Three Things Matter, or, Let's Fight for Justice, yeah. he's like, oh, hey, remember? Shit's still fucked up, but we should be paying attention.
0: True. Ian Bell, who, if you haven't read his biography, it's so good about Bob Dylan, because it really looks at Bob Dylan's, like, whole entire world. He devotes a lot of time to infidels. And his entire argument is so funny. He's just like uh rock and roll started if if we if we say the big bang is is elvis presley in 1956 heartbreak hotel and that means that in the course of 20 years We have entrophied completely. Like the entire planet that grew up, it just died. And so everything in the way that he talks about it is so brilliant. He's like, Bob Dylan is just some flailing nothing because punk killed it. Essentially, it was the world started, stopped with punk. And so you have these weirdos like Bob Dylan who are pretending that rock and roll is still a thing. And all these (laughs) – every one of them is just like – Oh, what's happening over there? <laughs> like the, the movement is over, That's and great. yet it's like Bob Dylan's trying to find out what's going on. So it's funny that, <laughs> I mean, I think that fits in. It's like, yeah. what am I even doing here? And and Bob Dylan's so, you know, you can't you can't pin him down because <laughs> during this time, especially, this is right after his religious stuff. So this is his first quote unquote secular album after his string of religious ones, um, and. Every time they're like, is this a political song? He's like, I don't know what politics are. I don't believe in politics. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he, of course he's going to do that because that's Bob Dylan. But yeah, you're right. It's it's interesting. There's a level of like wanting to engage with it. And, and I guess maybe this is a good time to get to uh, the lyrics themselves If you want, if you're ready yep. to talk about the song. And something that Bob Dylan kept doing was continually changing the words and making songs that are biting – into really defanged nothing the song had hooks and he took the hooks out I want to bring up some original verses that could have been so the the original third verse could have been something like this which I think is a little more succinct than what it is right now it says, well, some Nobody hired to do well, yeah, it's a lot more. And that's like a lot. That's a lot more toothy what than uh, what we got. This is um, obviously 1983. Is, is Ronald Reagan? He doesn't obviously mention him per se. Uh there's a quote in in Highland's book where he says um in talking about the presidents, I think he's uh completely correct uh he says, um none of those guys who become president are immune to the laws of history they're going to, they're going to go up or down, and they're going to take their people with them. But this could have been his final verse, which I think is pretty biting as well. See the man in the mask in the White House who's got no name or important ties just as long as he understands the shape of things to come." He can stay there till he dies. Got to be an invisible man, not the front man for some disease cause. Certainly not a union man, an independent man, not a man tied to social laws. That's a little on the nose for today, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that ties in that unionness that I think it comes down to the same with Woody Guthrie. What are your politics? What are you willing to bring into this song? This song is not very good, so you almost have to look at it on a literary level. The riff is fun, but it's not that good of a song. It's not something that I would really want to go back to. I
1: don't think I'll listen to this song ever again.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I'll be honest, when I'm listening to Infidels, it's, you know, skip through this and clean cut kid to get to I&I. I. Yeah, he's trying his best. Damn it, he's trying his best.
1: It's unfortunate that it gets lost, especially coming off of Lost.
0: Oh, oh, nice. Wow, that's... Let's see if I can make... Wow, that's... It's
1: sound terrible. Maybe. Coming off of I Shall Be Free. Yeah. This could be such a different song. <laughs> yeah. And the track itself is what fails it.
0: I There's no world that I could imagine 1980s Bob Dylan being fun and funny. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, in a different uh, world. In a different world. These lyrics are not bad. They have something to say, especially the live versions that you, you know, yeah. told us. Yeah. I consider myself a listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah that's that's all i that's all i thought about reading the lyrics and listening to the song was i shall be free this could be a fun song
0: could be fun and, and i think the only way to listen to this really is to keep your head in 1983 and to look at what was happening in 1983 in america and the uk okay. like i the, the main thing that i get out of all of this and especially listening to what you got through this month is how small we are how small we were then how small we continue to be we have Our our visions really don't extend that far. We don't really want anything anymore. We have nothing that ties us together. We don't want to go to space anymore. We don't want to get broadband to everybody. We don't want to do anything. What the fuck are we fighting for? What are we fucking doing? What is the point of life? What's the point of anything? Like, I think all we're ever going to get behind in the future is we're going to say, oh, the environment really was getting fucked up. Weren't we kind of silly? Let's spend all of our money building a flood wall in Florida to save Miami, bankrupts the country, and then we all die. Like, that's just like – that's all I can see happening to America.
1: Or nuclear war.
0: And, uh, yes, I'm down on the union.
1: Wealth disparity is the real killer. This is what you came to this Bob Dylan <laughs> podcast for.
0: I don't know, man. We try. We try our best. All right, Kelly, so in lieu of an impending apocalypse, what else were you listening to or doing this week?
1: Ooh, I kind of forgot
0: about that. Speaking of politics, um, Sarah
1: Silverman, who I've had mixed feelings on about, like through the past. She's a person. She just came out with a new show on Hulu. The first episode just aired. If you can call it aired. Streamed? I don't know what you call it. Yeah, anywhere. what do you say? Uh, it's it was uploaded I- in a
0: room somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's called I Love You, America, and... It's actually pretty good. Um, w. Kamal Bell does a series. What is it called? Shades of America. Yeah. United Shades of America. On CNN. Yeah. This is like a goofy version of that. It's a half hour situation, from what I can tell, where she's like hosting it, but then she's doing segments. Like, so there's one episode that's aired so far. She went to um, a small town in Louisiana. And she's talking to a conservative family, but she's not making fun of them. So there is a live studio audience, which is kind of weird. And they're apparently watching it in real time while she's ho- – I don't fucking know what's going on. So there's like – she's right. being there in earnest and she's like, I want to get to know people As that – you
0: have to if you want to extract any yeah. of note. Because
1: she's like, I, I live in a bubble. And she, she has a whole musical number at the very beginning that's like that's really fun. well thought out and like really – I don't know. it's yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. Okay. Uh, I want to rescind my recommendation for American Horror Story Roanoke. It's not good.
0: (laughs) Turns out... I thought you were going to watch them all.
1: Yeah. Well, I might might still watch some other seasons, at least Asylum, because that one... What happened? So the first two episodes were great, and then the third episode took a turn where they did... It's kind of hard to explain without explaining the whole show, but, like, instead of doing Flash, like... They, they did flashbacks in Totality where there was a whole character and cast of flashbacks. Instead of just talking about it, they should have – they're telling a ghost story. and Instead of just telling the ghost story, they made a whole cast of characters and it made it really cheesy. Yeah. You know when you're watching a true crime thing and they have those reenactments and they get really goofy? It's like this is a kind of interesting story about a real murder that happened. Oh, now we're doing these things with the really bad actors. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. So that happened and then it just continued from there. And uh, nice. it's a bummer. So don't watch that.
0: I wasn't
1: going to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a podcast called Heat Rocks, uh, that also just started about two weeks ago. Um, Oliver Wang, who is a DJ and academic about music, he's really into hip hop and soul and he's just like a generally really smart guy. And I'd never like as a I don't know, celebrity entity he's not really a celebrity, he's just kind of a guy that does podcasts and does things. Yeah, no idea who is Oliver either, yes. Wang. <laughs> uh, but I love his taste in music so much. Like, there's never been a single thing that he's recommended that I'm like, that's garbage. It's all great. So him and uh, Morgan Rhodes, who is another person. I don't really know anything about her because I never heard of her before he started doing this podcast. Um, He rocks. It's about songs that you fucking love. They consult like a... Musician or somebody who's also an academic in music about their favorite albums uh and specifically what track and why is it that that track that you love? It's fucking Call great, us. right? Yeah. So Call me, I'll um, tell you the first two albums. The first Union one Sundown was uh, off of
0: Infidels, best song ever.
1: <laughs> a soul singer, I can't remember her name. I feel really bad Um, from the '70s who was amazing. And they were talking. To, they talked to another soul singer about that album, and then um, the most recent one of the two was about. uh Intro, who was a hip hop band or R and B band in the nineteen nineties. And they consulted a guy that was uh
0: See, but about that. I like that, even just in theory, because it shows that what you do gets paid forward. The point of making art is not in the moment to become a rich and famous person, but to make a song that's gonna hit somebody and yeah. to have someone talk about it in that way. Yeah, who I was mean that's intro? like all you would want to have in your life. I yeah. mean I feel like my life would be one hundred percent complete. If I did something that someone else would talk to someone else about and say, even good or bad, just, like, have an actual honest, like, interaction with it. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's really cool. The guy
1: that they were talking to who's a hip-hop artist and, like, producer of his own right. I feel so bad. I can't remember anybody's names. But um Podcasts coming up, There's so many of them. Yeah, and Morgan and him were were really bonding over Intro, who I would never even heard of. Yeah. Were a big thing, and I don't know how big they were, but they were a fixture. It, they only had two albums that I could find on Spotify: 1993, 1997. That's it. They're talking house. about. That's yeah, I know, I know. And they, but like they they hit them. They, it was a, such a huge moment in their lives. At the same time, yeah. it was really cool because they're not like best friends. They just they both had a similar experience yeah. with this album, and I think that's so neat. Anyway, Heat Rocks podcast. They and, let the rhythm hit them. Let the let the let the rhythm hit him.
0: Let the rhythm hit him.
1: Heat rocks and hopefully I love you, America. So far, first episode, oh. good.
0: And Roanoke. We're out. Fuck Roanoke. Fuck Roanoke. I want to recommend a couple albums. This week was so good in music.
1: No
0: sure? Iron Chic. You did you make it through? Nope. Not your bag. I didn't listen to it at all. Oh, okay. I try. I forgot. You, There's a lot of stuff going on. Iron Sheik, You can't stay here. Admittedly, it's probably my least favorite of their entire discography. Doesn't mean much because I hold those albums in such high esteem. That it just, I don't know. at Where I'm at in my life, nothing can reach the heights of anything else <laughs> ever. So it's fantastic. It's so good. There's so many catchy moments. They just really surprise you with the hooks. Uh, I also enjoyed Kurt Vile and Courtney Barnett's joint record called A oh, Lot of Sea Lice. No. Courtney Barnett. <laughs> <pregnancy> <laughs> from Australia. I didn't listen to that enough, unfortunately. I listened to a shit ton of Iron Sheik, a shit ton of Woody Guthrie. Listen listened on Thursday for how much we did there mermaid avenue i just i should just recommend that here mermaid (laughs) avenue is fucking brilliant um it's been years since i've listened to it and oh my god it's just so good it's still as good as it was then it will be good forever and ever but the one record i want to definitely recommend um we are a real podcast we have a website com. twitter we love twitter do we yeah do we i mean i don't know i feel like you love twitter i love our followers that's I right. love all of you guys. I and do too. Kelly loves you too. <laughs> she can't tell you on Twitter because she probably doesn't remember her password. But I <laughs> definitely love you. Um, yeah, we have all of that. I mean, it's really SOTW Pod everywhere. I'm sure if you put that in Google SOTW Pod, we're gonna be the first thing that pops Woo! up. Uh, it, probably not. So don't <laughs> don't quote us. If there's like a you know a detergent out there or like a plumber company, who knows? I hope there's a jingle. Oh, like you know those pods that you um, moving pods. The moving pods, maybe soda pod, satswa satswa pod, or it's like South, oh, Southern Ohio transfer warehouse pod. Boom, we're fucked. We're fucked. fucked. (laughs) Why did we choose this name? Oh my god, it's over. It's over. Okay, so next week, let's go ahead and pick our song for next week. Kelly, are you ready for the sham? This is our final sham of the year, everybody. (laughs) Final sham. I mean, I'm excited. It's kind of fun. So we're at, are you ready for this? One out of 500. Oh my God. It almost seems like we should pick next week's. Just because. But we're not going to. So one out of 500, Kelly, what do you got? 500. Nice. 388. Cool. Uh, Well, 500, <laughs> which I'm already at, is a song called You Changed My Life. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's actually not so bad. Um, 388. Oh, he's talking about Jesus, though. So uh, 388 <laughs> would have been... Oh, my God. Again, I went to see the gypsy. We almost got that before. I feel like random.org is a lot like Spotify in that it's not actually random. Oh, no. But that can't be because how does it know what I'm doing on here? Maybe it just wants us to pick the gypsy, but why? I need to delete some cookies. It's okay because... Next week, we are going to be doing a great, not really a song, it is a live poem called Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie was not dead, but in a way, it sort of shapes where Bob Dylan was going. We obviously, we listened to a lot of stuff last week about Bob doing the concert in 1967 when Woody died. So this was four years before then, but it's certainly a break. And I think it's one of those things that we all kind of do with music or with any sort of hero or or artist or or even like um, your, your parents or your friends or whatever. You, there's a moment where you move on. But often it's very blurred and very uh, you know, nebulous. But it's really interesting that we can really chart this poem to like the end. This is like, I went to you every day. I played your songs. I did everything you wanted me to do. And, and I love you. There's no doubt about it. But I have to go on. This is all I've got left for you is this seven minutes of, of absolute beauty. And I cannot wait to listen to it. It's one of my favorite things Bob Dylan's ever done. It's not something that you pump up. There's no songs. It's just Bob Dylan talking real fast for seven minutes. Mm. But it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And he only did it once. And it's so great that we have it captured. And, and next week will be our final Woody Guthrie um, episode. So that'll be our last thoughts, our last thoughts as well on Woody Guthrie and on this really great Woody Guthrie month. So thanks so much for going along with us. Uh, on Thursday, we're going to be doing a special uh, the final special Woody-themed episode where we talk about Woody Guthrie and all of the bands that have sort of covered him and you know look up to him and that kind of stuff. So I hope you'll join us then as well. And next week for last thoughts. Any last uh, thoughts from Kelly? No. That was a little too extreme. No, I'm gonna cut that down, and that no is gonna sound real intense. No. we am gonna work just no. cut the whole thing out. See ya.